I don't know what to do with this situation. Help me make a decision because decisions are hard. And when we don't make them, when we don't make a decision, we're still making a decision. And I think a lot of our lives as moms, because we don't want to rock the boat and we want to be nurturing and we want to make everybody happy, is we let a lot of people make a lot of our choices for us. Hey, mamas. Welcome to the More Than a Mother podcast, where we believe you can pursue your dreams and be a great mother at the same time. I am your host, Lawan Moses, and I am helping you find the freedom to live. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, friends, welcome back to the More Than a Mother podcast. This is your host, Lawan Moses, and I'm back with you again for another great episode. If this is your first time listening at More Than a Mother podcast, we are helping moms to create a life outside of motherhood without sacrificing their family time. We believe that moms can pursue their dreams and be great moms at the same time. My guest today is Dana Mulstaff, the CEO and founder of Boss Mom. Dana launched the Boss Mom brand with her first book, Boss Mom, The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Business and Nurturing Your Family Like a Pro in 2015 that started an international movement. The Boss Mom's Facebook community has organically grown to over 40,000 members, and there are now Boss Mom local meetups in over 80 cities. Dana believes that we need to show our children that doing what we love can be financially viable. I sat down today to talk with Dana about her journey to forming Boss Mom and how it has evolved over the years, and she just left a few tips with us that she had to share and how she operates her day-to-day life and building her business while being a great mom at the same time. Let's take a listen to my interview with Dana. Hey, Dana, how are you today? I am doing good. Welcome to the More Than a Mother show. I am so happy to have you here today. If you could just take a moment and introduce yourself to my audience. Yeah, sure. So I'm Dana Malstaff. I am the founder and CEO of Boss Mom, which was launched in 2015 when I wrote the book, Boss Mom, The Ultimate Guide to Raising a Business and Nurturing Your Family Like a Pro. And yeah, we've been growing it for the last six years. And I basically when I quit my job and by quit my job, I mean, they were doing this big, you know, this big shift and I was going to get let go. And so I sort of proactively resigned and started my consulting business and been trying to get pregnant and wasn't having any luck. And then I quit my job and everybody took me out drinking and God said, Hey, it looks like you've got some time on your hands. Maybe you should have a baby. So I basically, I joke that I became a boss and a mom literally in the same 24-hour period. And uh, so it's serendipitous that Boss Mom became the brand two years later that, yeah. So that's a, basically we've been boss momming everything for the last six years. We've grown an amazing community and continue to grow because there's just a lot of us out there that, that have multiple dreams, I would say. Yes, that is so true. And I have been following you and part of your community <laughs> for many years, probably from the beginning, because I think 2015, that was around the time I started, 2014, 2015, trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. And it took me till 2020 to get to this point. But mm-hmm. I am so happy to have you here with me today. So at More Than a Mother podcast, we believe that you can be a great mom and pursue your dreams at the same time. However, none of us wake up as these great moms that are out here just living our dreams, living our best lives. We all have a story, a transformational journey that brought us to this point. 
So you kind of started telling us that story already, but if you could just share like what your aha moments were or transformational moments that put you on the path that you're on today. Yeah. Yeah. So actually quitting my job and, and then getting pregnant was, it was two years of not being successful. I felt unsuccessful as a mom. I felt unsuccessful as an entrepreneur. I didn't know how to do either of them well, but I knew I could do them well, which is extremely frustrating, by the way, for anybody who knows you're a capable, smart, wonderful, loving, awesome woman. And then to have none of the things you're doing work, that is not a fun place to live. I had you know, a baby that was beautiful and amazing. And I also wanted to not be around him 24 hours a day, which was made me feel like a horrible person. I you know, was doing business things, all of which people were telling me were awesome and nobody was giving me money. I was spending all my time in the wrong places. I spent time building a website and a logo and all of these things and then having no idea how to sell or even what I was selling, to be honest. Right. Um, and I spent two years in this. I, I, well, let me say, I, I spent the nine months leading up to Jake, my son, being born, um, feeling mostly isolated and like motivated and excited and feeling like there'd be momentum, but then feeling like there wasn't really anything happening at the same time. And it wasn't until basically one day I was sitting in a Panera and and I looked up and there I had my son who was like three months old sleeping next to me while I was trying to work. And I saw a mom... Um, a grandma and which is funny. My mom always yells because she, she was a grandma, but she was like only in her fifties. Oh, you know, wow. my mom's like, grandma makes me sound so old, but she's, <laughs> it was a woman and, and, and the, you know, the grandma and the baby and they were enjoying each other. And I was living in Columbus, Ohio at the time. And I'm very close to my mom and my stepdad. And I remember just crying in this Panera. And I, you know, I called my husband at the time and I just said, what do you think about moving to California? Like I miss my family. We need the support. And I just, you know, I don't have a place to drive anymore. Like, and he was in banking, so he could move technically. And he said it was 11 below zero, like wind chill in Columbus, Ohio. And he was like, let's do it tomorrow. Like, when do you want to? Yes, this is not a hard decision. You want me to move to Southern California? I have no problem with that. And, And within three months, we had sold our house. He had switched jobs and we had moved to San Diego. And a couple things when you talk about real big catalysts and aha moments, a couple things happened. When we moved here, there was an immediate change. And one of the immediate changes was that in Columbus, Ohio, nobody had babies that I knew and and nobody had uh, businesses. They all had jobs, right? They all went somewhere right. and worked for somebody else. And when I, and even trying to, to join entrepreneurial groups, they were all looking to start brick and mortar businesses, things like that. It wasn't, it wasn't relatable to me. When I moved out here, everybody was a mom. All the groups that I went to were women with kids and kids at home. They were starting businesses. They were more coaching digital, all of these things that, you know, they had the same aspirations I had. And I, and that saying that like, you are the sum of the five people you surround yourself with. I think we all think that that means surround ourselves with the people that we wish we were right? Surround yourself with the mentors and those things. But I learned very quickly that no, no, no. Surround yourself with the people that are like you, that are doing the things you have, that have the same struggles that you have, because those are the people that make you feel like you're not crazy. Sometimes when you just surround yourself by mentors and people to look up to, then you feel behind. And I think we need to have a a nice, a nice equilibrium like space where you have people behind you, people in proximity to you and people ahead of you. So you feel like you're you're part of the pack. You're moving in the right direction. And so that was a big, a big change for me. But it was still another year before I decided to write a book and, and 
thought I was going to write a business book and ended up writing Boss Mom. And it, and I think it took and that and I think that's when I stopped just trying to to have a business and decided I was going to start a movement that I was passionate about other smart women wanting to do things and build things and then feeling insanely guilty that that meant somehow that they were a bad mom or weren't going to be a good parent. And I became very passionate about the fact that, that just the way you are, that that is not true. Right. And, and what I found, and what I found is that if I wanted to be able to coach people from a business perspective, which is where my gifts are, then I needed to be able to help them get past this thing because this guilt and this, this trouble that people were having and this challenge and this feeling was getting mentally getting in the way of them making good progress from the business side. And so I think I learned both things coincide. And until we solve one problem, we can't solve the others. And that is so true. I mean, just bringing up that mom guilt in many conversations that I have with different people. I mean, mom guilt always comes up no matter what level you make it to, no matter where you go, there is just this underlying guilt that moms for some reason feel that we have to feel when we go out here and decide to live our dreams and live the lives that we desire while also being moms at the same time. So, I mean, how yeah. did you navigate through your mom guilt that you were experiencing? It's so funny because guilt, I remember I used to think that guilt was, it's like I felt this guilt. Right? right. And so what I had to do was I had to figure out how to get rid of the guilt. And what I started to realize over time was I started to go, okay, well, just like for me, like I tell people, like I'm not a big take medicine pills, right? So for me, if I get a headache, I don't immediately go, I should take some Tylenol or Ibu. I go, why am I getting this headache? Did I eat something weird? Am I somewhere with allergies? Did I not drink enough water today? Like, mm-hmm. let me see if I could solve the problem at the root of the problem first. And there's this, there's this story that my very first mentor, who's my very first woman mentor, told me that I that I've kept with me forever. Like some of those those things that stick with you. And it was pulling babies from a river, right? And so basically, there's a little boy. He goes up to you know he goes up to a river. He sees a baby float up. He takes the baby out of the river, mm-hmm. brings it up to the village, and and they come back down and more babies start floating up and they pull the babies out. And at the end of the day, they've created a very effective, very efficient system for pulling babies from the river. And the little boy decides to go to the other side of the river and ask the other village to stop putting babies in the river. And, it, and so when someone is doing something where they're solving the wrong part of the problem, right, is they're making an efficient way to deal with the problem as opposed to solving the problem. It, we call it pulling babies from a river, and it became this phrase, you know, that that we that we use in my in my family in my circles. And so when I thought about guilt, I thought, wow, if we're trying to solve guilt, then we're trying to figure out how to effectively deal with the problem, right? right? As opposed to saying, why do we feel guilt? And I and I I believe after a lot of reflection and conversations, and I have no degree to back up whether I'm right, <laughs> but we'll just say either you like my opinion or you don't, and you can right. do with it what you will. But I think when it, when it deal when we deal with guilt, we deal with what decisions we make. We feel guilty if we don't know whether or not we've made the right choice, right? So am I disciplining my child the right way? Is going off to do work or something I love taking away from my child? All these decisions, right? Like where we spend our time, where we are at priorities. We feel guilty when we aren't sure whether we made the right choice. So in order for me to help try and get rid of guilt, I started to say, okay, how can I feel confident in my decisions? What can I do with my decision process that helps me feel good about it? That, and so I started creating this, uh, and I just did a live about this in the group actually, talk about deal breakers and dream makers. So I need to make a list of what are the things I'm not willing to do that even if an opportunity or a situation sounds good, 
that I can use this list of, of criteria and say it's good, but it's not good enough, right? So it's like, oh, I'll travel, but I'm not going to travel more than two days while my children are under two, while my daughter's under two. Like I'll do this, but I won't do that. Like, and so what it helped me do is make decisions. So then when I made that decision, I can know I confidently am going to travel and I'm not going to feel bad about it. Or I confidently said no, because it didn't fit my criteria. And then my dream makers helped me go, that's on my dream makers. I'm willing to make a little more concessions about, you know, my making sure someone's taking care of the kids or something's happening so that I could do this. Or I'm willing to step away from work for this whole week because I've, this is a dream maker for me to go to Disneyland with my kids for the week. Right. And all those things. And so I, when we talk about guilt, I think we just have to talk about decision making. And that's why I think part of what I've built is so much based around decision support. And the entire Boss Mom group is meant to be a think tank, really ultimately, not so we can just pat each other on the back and say who you are is okay, because permissions are important. But it's to say, I don't know how to, how to, I don't know what to do with this situation. Help me make a decision because decisions are hard. And when we don't make them, when we don't make a decision, we're still making a decision. And I think a lot of our lives as moms, because we don't want to rock the boat and we want to be nurturing and we want to make everybody happy, is we let a lot of people make a lot of our choices for us inadvertently and subconsciously. And then we feel bad because we don't know what's the right decision. Right. And I think, I mean, that was a really long way of answering your question, but I think I think that's the solution to guilt is to not tackle the guilt, but to just tackle our confidence and decisions we're making. Right. But I think that's important how you pointed out, like you have these deal breakers and dream makers, because we have this mentality, I think, as people, as women, that when it comes to decisions, one, we shouldn't make a decision or it's like an all or nothing mentality. But when you Mm -hmm. break it down to you have these certain lists, it's kind of that freedom to I can make a choice, make a decision as long as it fits within my criteria And I mean, it's taking back that power that, as you said, we let others make the decisions for us because we sit there and we don't want to make a decision. And really, we are making a decision. We Mm -hmm. give our power away. And then we're the only ones that are miserable and everyone else is doing okay because we poured into them, given them everything they wanted while we're like, okay, I just am here. So that's where that guilt and that those feelings come into place. And when you deal with the root and what the actual process is. I mean, that is powerful in itself. Yeah. And and I think, because I get a lot of people that go, Dana, okay, deal breakers, dream makers, that sounds great. I don't even know where to start. We break things up generally. Everything I do in life, I break up into three areas, which is your environmental, emotional, and financial, right? So a lot of times we'll think people naturally go to the financial. They go, okay, well, this is what I want to make, you know, and that kind of thing. So what I tell people is, okay, when you're thinking about anything, think about, think about an environmental first, right? Because even if we were thinking about like, what do you want your life to look like? Like, what do you want to, we, we generally say, okay, well, how much time can I spend with my kids? I need to drop everything, do this. My weekends are dead. Like every, like society has given us these parameters. Well, when you have your own business, that doesn't work. Like nine to five is no longer a relevant set of time, mm-hmm. right? You get to, and you get to choose the world is your oyster, so to speak. So if you were thinking environmental, what do you want? Like I was just on um, interviewing somebody on a podcast and we were talking about because she helps um, teach music as a language for you and your baby. And I was saying that I read that my, you know, your kids, 
do a lot of like start to finish activities and it's good to teach them activities that involve long-term progress. So I got a really hard puzzle and a thing that you can roll it up and put it away. And every couple of days we break it out and I sit down and start doing puzzles, which I've always really enjoyed, but stopped doing because my babies can't do them. Mm-hmm. But now I just start doing it. And naturally, I don't even ask the kids to join me. I just roll it out and I start doing it. And then the kids join me. And then we have really fun conversations because they want to be with me. And to me, that was one of the environmental things I wanted is that I love discussion and I love figuring out problems. So how can I do that with my children? How can I do that? Like, I don't like playing Barbies and I don't honestly, like my kids make fun of me, but I don't want to run outside with you. I don't want to play ball. To be perfectly honest, dad can do that and that's great. I love building things out of cardboard and duct tape because that's what I did with my dad. So how can I create spaces for that? So we have a whole entire space on our patio where they, the hot glue gun can get glued in and they have this whole like space with all of these different crafts. We constantly collect sticks and rocks and things and leaves so they could do that stuff. So for me, environmental goes, how, what kind of space do I want to live in? And then how do I create more intentional spaces that do that? Like from a business perspective, every single week I have to talk to somebody behind me, someone next to me and someone in front of me so that I remember that I'm smart. I remember that there's always a different point of view and I, I can see where I want to go. And those, and that's part of the environment I want. And then emotional, you got to decide, like for me, emotionally, I want to feel space. I want to feel like there is time and there's freedom and that I'm not behind. Some people want to feel empowered and invigorated. They want to feel, you know, loved and connected, whatever that feeling is you want. So for me, during this time when my kids are home, I stopped taking clients. I stopped, you know, our group coaching program. I stopped all of these things and said, I'm, I'm not going to allow more than two hours. Today's a little bit of an exception, but my kids got to actually go to a camp today. But I'm not going to allow more than two hours of time of me being on calls because I need triple the space I would normally need to feel like I'm not behind. And that's really important to me. So the more you guys can look at the emotional, the environmental and the financial things of what you want and get down to the nitty gritty, not the big stuff, but like the moments that you want to create, then you can intentionally set yourself up for success in those spaces. And then your guilt goes away because I only need 30 minutes of me and my kids doing something insanely memorable and wonderful and, and getting a cute picture of it and us talking about it later to feel like that day was great. I don't need 24 hours of memories with my kids because that's not realistic. Right. right. But if I can facilitate a couple that really connect us, then I feel like I'm doing my job. And then the rest I can give myself a little grace for. Right. And that's good to give yourself that grace. And I mean, as you pointed out, having those 30 minutes, I think so many people feel they have to constantly give their all, give their all to their kids and not recognize that there are 24 hours in a day And we kind of discount that time that it's really about the quality of that time, not the quantity, because you can spend hours with your kids. But if you're just sitting in the same room and you're not, everybody's all doing their own individual thing, does it really make that memory? Is it really quantifiable? So, I mean, putting it in that perspective to where you're getting these things, the deal maker, the deal breakers and the dream makers, and you have them in the categories and then really putting kind of numbers to them and what it would look like for you as an individual for you to have those and not feel that guilt. I mean, to me, that's just a great way to break it down because those 30 minutes of time can mean more than those 10 hours of time that people like to spend. And you're Mm -hmm. giving your kids their attention while you're still addressing your needs as a woman, as a business owner and everything else that you're doing. 
Yeah. And also like, cause our kids are, a lot of kids are home. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in the summer, a lot of kids are home anyway. You know, I was trying to do this remote learning and I was feeling horribly guilty because it was hard to manage all both of those. Either I was really good at the, you know, the teaching my kid and making sure I was doing all the things. And I was really crappy at getting my business and the things done. And I was staying up till two in the morning and things which I hadn't done in years. And, or, you know, and I was only doing one or the, one or the other. And so when I sat down and I said, okay, what do I feel like my son needs the most help in where I can be the most helpful, right? Because teaching him math is not my forte, right? I went to sit down and draw him a hexagon. I drew an octagon. He's like, mom, that has too many sides. And I was like, yeah, that's about right. That's about, that's about, you know, because my brain isn't there, but I love writing. My dad is, you know, an author. I'm an author. I'm a journalism major. I love the act of, you know, writing. I love the act of reading. And so the, what we did is instead of him doing writing exercises on a piece of paper that he didn't like and I didn't like, I started making these little booklets. I took pieces of paper, I cut them into fourths, I stapled them, right? And then him and I would sit down and I would help him read. We'd spend an, uh, like 30 minutes every day and I, I subscribed to a book club for beginner readers. So he started getting these, we started getting these books in the mail, which he loves to open. And we'd sit down and we'd read two books and I'd do videos of it and I'd like give him like good accolades for doing it. And we, it was our time together. And then afterwards, we'd take out one of the, the paper and I'd say, let's rewrite this story the way you want it right? So one's about a baby. Let's make that baby a pirate, right? He's like, I want to pay a baby to be a pirate and I want to find a treasure. So he practices reading and writing, but not as an exercise, but as story building. And then I got to teach him a good story has a beginning, a middle and an end. We have to set up the characters and then the characters have to have an action. And what did the characters learn? And so I'm getting to do these things that are really fulfilling for me that I feel like is making him like leaving a legacy of storytelling, which is really valuable in my family, but we're doing it in a fun way. So we're still getting his homework done, He's still doing the amount of writing and the amount of reading he needs, but we've created a way for me to actually enjoy it as opposed to sitting down and doing homework being this painful time. And the only painful time is the 30 minutes to do the math homework, which neither of us like, you know, but we both go, let's have an ice cream while we're doing the math homework because, you know, math is not, we don't like math, but when we sit and do the writing, it's fun and it's engaging. And I, and so I took what we had to do and instead of being angry about it, which I was for a couple months. I reframed it and said, how can I, how can I do this in a way where we're focusing on one thing I think is valuable, but infuse who I am and what I care about into what we have to do. And it's transformed it into something that's really actually enjoyable. Right. And you couldn't change the situation, but what you could change was your perspective and how you handled it. And Mm -hmm. that comes into play in many areas of life where our situation may be, we're stuck in this pandemic, stuck in the house, all these different things. So we can... Mm -hmm really look at the bad side of the pandemic and things going around us, or we can kind of flip it and see, okay, change our perspective so that we can get the most out of it and see the Mm -hmm. good in the situation instead of always seeing like the bad and what we don't have. We can see the things that we do have and the things we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And I will tell everybody too, because I always like to to mention, look, I, I am, I have a sense of, of, I've been fortunate in a lot of ways. I have a good business. I, you know, I make good money. My, my business did take a hit during um, this particular time, but not enough to, you know, to, to cause financial hardship for me, those kinds of things. So I always recognize that I don't have some of those things that pull us into the, that, that space where we feel um, like we're in survival mode. However, I always like to tell people I'm a single parent, which means half of the time I, I had all, it's just me. It's me and two kids. That's, that's it. So I do have, like, I do understand what it's like 
like if your husband still goes to work and you're the one where that that burden falls on you. And it's I hate to call it a burden, but let's be honest, like making sure to, you know, your kids don't don't die is kind of right. it's, it's a job in itself. You know, I mean like the parenting and making sure they turn into good human beings is one thing. Making sure they eat and survive is another. And then making sure they're loved and cared for and nurtured and you have memories together are there those are three whole different jobs yes, they are. that we do every single day. You add on being a business owner, being an individual woman, being a wife, being a daughter, you know, being a friend. There we've got seven different jobs we're doing every single day. So while I do feel extremely lucky, I like to tell people I do understand what it feels like to feel alone and feel isolated and in all of those things. And, and I, so whenever you feel like anything I'm talking about or anybody else is talking about is just too hard to do, just give yourself a day, go and take a bath and cry, go watch the notebook and weep it out, like proactively let it out of your system and be like, there is no possibility that every day is going to be great. Like all you can do is to create some great moments and sometimes they're going to feel farther away from each other than normal and sometimes they're going to stack up. But you, it, the, the more that you just give yourself some grace and just try a little bit, I think the more it evens itself out. Yes. And giving yourself grace is so important. And I like how you shared that being a single parent and you reach a certain level of success, it doesn't stop you from experiencing things that normal people experience. And I think that's where it kind of gets lost in the shuffle where we see people online or they reach this certain level of success and things of that nature to where we're just like, oh, they are living their best life. They have it all together. And it's like, no, you're going to experience things on every level. So it's really forming those coping skills and coping mechanism, Mm -hmm. as you said, allowing yourself to live through those bad moments and get through those days Mm -hmm. and recognizing that things can change and things will change if you just keep going. I hope you are enjoying this episode as much as I am. Before we dive back into this great episode, I just wanted to take a moment and answer one of the most frequent questions that I get asked all the time. People are constantly asking me, Lawan, how do you do it all? You're working, running a business, raising a family, you have a podcast, a spouse, a life, and you are just doing all these things. Girl, I need to know, how are you doing it? Well, I'm excited to announce to you that I have put together a signature process for how I get it all done. My course, From Overwhelmed to Organized, Managing Family, Business, and All Things in Between, will finally answer the questions for you as to how I do it all. This course is designed to help you stop being busy, help you figure out work-life balance, how to set boundaries, and get your priorities in order. And we do all of this in this course and so much more. I mean, are you tired of feeling stressed, overwhelmed, and anxious? Are you ready to reduce that overwhelm, minimize the guilt in all areas of your life? And how about that work-life balance thing that is just always there? Are you ready to stop struggling to achieve it and instead find a way to create a plan to become more productive and less busy? Because time is of value and I don't want you wasting any more time spinning your wheels. I put together this course to help you dive through and answer all those questions and come up with your own process to get it all done. That's right. I do this every day. I do it all the time. I would not teach you anything that I have not actively done myself. 
So if you are ready to go from overwhelmed to organized and finally get things in your life in order and get your plate a little more balanced out so that you can reach that state of feeling balanced and not just constantly chase after work-life balance, I invite you to head over to my website or click the link in the show notes so that you can get enrolled in the course from overwhelmed to organized, managing family, business, and all things in between. I can't wait to see you inside the course and take this journey with you. This course is truly life-changing. It is a process that you can use over and over again. And trust me, I wouldn't give you anything that I don't do myself. So believe me, I know it works because here I am on this podcast and doing all the things and I still have my sanity. And best of all, I'm doing all of it without sacrificing my family time. So if that sounds like a plan to you, Hit the link in the show notes or head over to my website and sign up now for my course from Overwhelmed to Organized. Now back to this great episode. Yeah, it's it's so funny because I get people that'll like I'll get on an interview or get on a, you know, a, a call or something like that. And I've had it where people are like, oh, my gosh, Dana, I can't believe I'm talking to you. Like, and I'm like, why? <laughs> They're like, well, you know, I follow you and you're kind of famous. I was like, dude, like 30 minutes ago, my son just asked me to come wipe his butt and examine his poop. Like <laughs> I, I am literally as a normal human being as it gets. Like I, I you know, a photographer makes me look really good sometimes, <laughs> but, right. but I am a, you know, I'm a hot mess at least once a week. And I say that with pride because I think balance is, I've got this question a lot, but for all of the moms listening, balance is not happy or sad. To me, balance is every single week you experience a wide range of emotions. Your balanced meal is not chicken one day, broccoli the next. A balanced meal is a balance of all the nutrients you need to run effectively. And as human beings, we need to experience all emotions effectively. You cannot be happy if you do not understand what sadness feels like. You cannot feel true joy and excitement and love unless you know what emptiness and, and, and being lonely feels like. Like those juxtapositions of emotions are important and, and we, we get angry that our kids feel all of those emotions every single day, but that's because we like block ourselves. Like we are told being emotionless is what you do. You've got to be strong. You've got to be that steady rock. Well, you know what? The water that flows all the time and changes all the time wears down those rocks. So either you can be the rock and the foundation that slowly whittles away and then it like goes out of existence. Or you can be the flowing, you know, water that is the most powerful current, but you are a current that flows wherever it needs to go. Like, let yourself feel the feels. And if you need to do it in the bathroom while nobody's watching, that's totally fine. But like, own it, be proud for it, right? Because you can't move into happiness until you can learn, move through the sadness. And the more you try to fight it, the longer it stays. And I think we do that with our guilt. We just, and our businesses and our everything, like we just feel bad. And I'd say like, just own it. Yeah, own it. Own it. Yeah, we do. So tell me more about Boss Moms and all the great things you are doing in business. Oh, goodness. Well, during this time, it's really interesting because I always talk about these, you know, I had Jake and, you know, decided to launch this business. I kind of guess it happened at the same time. I, when my daughter was pregnant with my daughter, I decided to write the book Boss Mom, which everybody was like, this is a horrible idea. So I basically was seven months pregnant 
moving into a house, a new house, and writing this book. I wrote half when I was pregnant, half when I had her. Every time something big happens that is a massive disruptor to our normal routines and our like, you know, going with the like the normal flow of, of everyday stuff is when some of my biggest aha moments and ideas happen. So right now, you know, we go through the first month in March where I was just bitter and angry and was like, this is so unfair. Right. Right. But then had moved into a place where I said, okay, I've got to stop having so many meetings because I need to create this space because that's the emotional space, you know, that I want. And I want this to create this right environment for me. And so in doing that, it started to get me to think, okay, what's the thing I do want to work on that I haven't been working on because I've been on all these calls and I, you know, and I'm fortunate enough that my brand is big enough that a lot of people call me and they want to hire me. And it's, it's less work now than it was five years ago to get clients. However, those clients take up time. So when I didn't have those, you know, we, we launched back in February of this year, a re, kind of rebooted, for, rebranded version, really, of an old membership we had, and we na- renamed it the Nurture to Convert Society. Well, it's based off of a system that I believe that to simplify your business, the way to build authority and grow your clout online and build your business in a way that doesn't take over your life, and and it's just it's it's grown. People are loving it. It grows every single day without me even really trying with doing the things we normally do. And so figuring out how to make that better, how to scale that, how to do that has become 100% of my time and giving myself space to dig deeper into those things, to figure out how can we make this experience better? What, what problem are we really solving? How can I go back to old things I did and incorporate it into the, this new thing that we have? That has become 100%. And I'm telling, I've got to say, I feel really fulfilled by it. I feel um, as though this, this scary time has yielded uh, a requirement of me to really think about what I want and what I care about. And when I did that assessment of the environment and the, you know, emotional and the financial, I, when my kids hit the, you know, 12 year mark and they are really figuring out what the world is about and what they believe, I want to not have to work. I want to be able to get, you know, my work done a couple days, a couple hours a, a, a day so that when they come home, I'm the voice. I get to help them make decisions, not their friends, not their friends, parents, not their mm-hmm. teachers, but then I'm the one that gets to help give them that moral compass. That's really important to me for the future that I want. And so the society is the sort of scaled way that we could do that. And, and, and so that's hundred percent of our focus is our nurture to convert society, which is a, it's been a really fun process the last couple of months, even during this tough time. And it sounds like just listening to you talk that you were doing a whole lot of things before this pandemic happened. And this kind of caused you to pause and kind of reevaluate and think about those things that you had on your list of what was really important. So now you're like pivoting and making the adjustments of, okay, this is what I'm working towards. This is what I want to do. So, I mean, it sounds to me mm-hmm. good just hearing you say that and how you were able to just reframe your focus, even though you lost a whole lot, you're looking at how much you're gaining and how this is giving you an opportunity and time to build something that you really truly enjoy and that you want to build and keep building. Yeah. And I'll say too, cause I, I'd say from a, like a pivoting standpoint, we, we aren't necessarily, we're not pivoting what we're doing because we were doing all three of the things I was doing my group coaching, my one-on-one and mm-hmm. the society. What I pivoted from was my priority, which I think is really important right. to say the reason I, I think it's important to say, it because, is. because a lot of us do too much. So I would highly recommend anybody read the essentialism book. It's by Greg something or other. 
because I think there may be more than one. The book cover, if you look, I, I listen to it because I listen to books more than I, I read business books. It's got like a circle, uh, circled a million times, you know, essentialism, amazing. And, and it really helps you recognize how, how doing things singularly is better than doing too many things. And his mom and his women, do, we do way too much and we have a horrible time saying no. So I would say two things for everybody. Essentialism, because it will really help you recognize the things that you can do that you can get the most out of. And then and the other one is Never Split the Difference uh, by Chris Voss. And he is a ex-FBI agent who de- dealt with hostage situations. And this book is about negotiating and it is amazing for moms. It's amazing for business owners, but just amazing for women because we we are truly bad at saying no. And when, yes. and it's not necessarily even because we're scared of, of like of confrontation. I think it's because we yearn so much to nurture and impact people that we are scared to not be there for people. And therefore we take way too many opportunities and way too many things because we don't, because we don't know how to assess whether it's essential and therefore, we just say yes by default. And so those two books, I think, will like totally change your life if you use them. And those two books are what helped me go through the process of saying, what, where do we want to focus? And if I stop doing these things, how much of this other thing would I have to do to replace that income? And how, what would my environment look like? And would it, oh, it would help me from an emotional standpoint because I would have more space to brainstorm and discuss, right? And from an environmental standpoint, it gives me, I'm able to now surround myself with, I'm able to scale so that I can actually impact more people, which is important because Boss Mom is meant to be a launch pad for women, not, not just a place where you learn stuff. It's like, that's why our, our Facebook group, we want people to connect and to grow together outside of us. Like that's why we do our internship. That's why we do all of these things because we're meant to be a launch pad because I want everybody to succeed. And if I have skills that can help them do that, whether that's through my coursework or whether that's through me, you know, recommending them to people or, or talking about them on podcasts or helping them connect through the Facebook group, like that's what I want. And so, yeah, those two books I'd highly recommend because they can help guide you. And I'll be sure to link to those two books in the show notes so that everyone can easily find them. And how you pointed out just the power of that pivoting and it's pivoting priorities, not necessarily pivoting whole ideas, which I mean, I think people lose sight of. So what would you say has been the most rewarding part of your life journey so far? Oh, holy moly. I, I honestly, I'm a, I'm a big person. I've always been the kind of person that is much more about the experiences we have versus the end result. I think that one of one of the things that I've loved is actually getting older. So my birthday's in like four days, I think. It's on it's a couple days after this interview. I turned 39 and I feel better than I have any other time. I feel more me. I feel everything and I and I think what one of the things that I would say is just one of my favorite experiences and journeys of life is getting to know myself is you know, I mean, I remember in college, I dated a guy for three months and I, my freshman year and I pretended I liked wrestling, you know, cause he was cute enough. And, and then at some point you're just like, I really don't like wrestling, you know, and I don't want to watch it. I want to do other things. And, and I think that I surround myself with the people I like and I want to be around. I have the conversations I want. I do the things I want. I say no to more of the things I don't want. And I think ultimately that I am happier and, or not even happier, just more content Mm-hmm. Um, because I, every day, my goal is to understand myself more and in understanding myself more, I feel more comfortable with me. And therefore I think I 
feel and better for everybody else. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, the whole journey is just every day. What more can I learn about myself? How, how can I deepen my relationship with myself? And that has been really fun over the years, I think. Wonderful. I mean, being self-aware is so important. And when you get to that moment of knowing yourself, knowing what you don't like, what you like, and just having that self-awareness, it does give you that fulfillment, that joy. So then you're able to show up as your best self in motherhood and business and all the other things that we've listed that we do. So that's definitely a great rewarding part of life. Yeah. And I, and I would tell everybody, I don't, I don't, I've never liked the term self-care because it implies it's something we need to do to care about ourselves. I would ask everybody this question. Do you like being alone with yourself? Do you enjoy the conversations you have with yourself in your head? When you sit down, would you be somebody you'd want to hang out with? Right. And a lot of us see that when our kids look up to us and they start mimicking us and we go, oh crap, I didn't want you to do mimic that part of me. Right. right? But I think I remember I got divorced a couple of three years ago and I remember having to hire a coach to help me figure out how to be alone because I didn't like being alone with myself. And that's a real eye opener when you don't actually enjoy your own company, that's you know, true. because you don't like the thoughts you think and you don't like the things that you are doing, right? Like, so I would, I would say like, stop trying to self-care and start, and start saying, if I'm going to have a relationship with myself, who do I want to hang out with? Right. And I think that's a good, that's a good place to start figuring out. It's less about the cream you buy and the things, you know, you do. It's more about, do you like being a friend with yourself? Right. And if you think you're best friends with yourself, then you're doing A-OK. And if you feel like maybe you don't want to call that person all the time or you're avoiding them, then maybe you want to work on that. Yes, because you're stuck with yourself for life. So you might as well sure get are. to know yourself and figure out if you like being with yourself. And if not, then you need to get a plan so that you can start to like being with yourself. That's, yeah, that's true. And in Frozen 2, she says in her song, she says, you can grow yourself into somebody new. Like, yes. yeah, it's, it's all, it's all you, you have the power. Nobody else has the power for you for, to decide who you are, even though it feels like that a lot of the time, like the moment that you realize you have that choice, you just have to understand what you want. I think the more empowered we all feel and motivated, we all feel to get to know ourselves. Right. So what's one final tip that you could give to a mom out here that may be struggling to manage things and find her sweet spot balance and those type of things. What's a tip you could offer? Yeah, I would definitely say that the, I think one of the best tips for everybody who's in the kind of the situation you're talking about is hustling, doing all the things and being a one-stop shop is not, is not a good thing, right? We are being told right now that make more things, do more things. You're your social media manager. You're your, the mom and the parent, you're all of those things, right? We do have to do multiple roles, uh, but we should not wear, wear it like a badge of honor, right? So I would say number one tip is look at what you're actually good at. The thing that takes you a fraction of the time that it would take anybody else that where your brain goes, that, that is just your gift, right? Don't, don't talk about your passion. Just talk about your gift. Look at your gift. Now look at all the things that you aren't good at, right? Look at those two things and have somebody else help you. Even if you barter that there in my beginning of my career, I bartered all the time. I'll help you with my gift. You help me with your gift, right? Stop being an Island. Because like I said, if you're that rock and you're trying to be steady, the water is going to whittle you down until there's nothing left. Like, but a whole, be a collective, be something that is you, you understand what you're good at. And then you find everybody else who's good at what they're good at. And you guys become a force of nature and it's a really beautiful thing. So seek to be a force of nature, not a lone rock would be my advice. 
That is wonderful advice. So thank you, Dana, so much for joining me today. If you could just tell our audience where we can find you online. Yeah. So if you go to boss-mom.com, you can find us. It'll take you to the Facebook group. It'll take you to the podcast. It'll take you to all of our free resources and all that fun stuff. So that's the easiest place to start. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. If you are enjoying this podcast, please take a few seconds and leave a review, a rating, and share this with all of your mom friends. We want to get the word out about the More Than a Mother podcast so that we can empower as many moms as possible. This is truly a movement for all moms. As moms, we are a community and it is up to us to continue to lift each other up. So don't keep all this greatness to yourself. Subscribe, like, share, rate, and leave a review so that all moms can start to tune in and start living out their own unique life stories. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, head over to LawanMoses.com. I love for us to stay in touch. Make sure you leave your email address so I can send you inspiration, tips, and the latest updates. Or if you prefer, text the word more, that's M-O-R-E to 302-440-4632. We have some great things coming up and I don't want you to miss a thing. Thanks again. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, keep pressing because victory is yours.